All right. Well, thank you all for coming. Uh, it's nice to see you on this rainy day, this wonderful rainy day. Um, but let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the opportunity in this to come together on this day in seven that you give us to come together and rest and focus on your word. Lord, we thank you for the word that uh, that we preached this morning and evening, and we thank you that as we listen to that and we listen to uh, this message, that you give us hearts of flesh, not hearts of stone, open our ears and make us attentive to what you have us to say. Uh, uh, bless the speakers and bless the hearers of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So the book is Untangling Emotions, and we are now in part two. Part one of this book has been helping us understand our emotions. And we've learned that emotions help us connect. They communicate value. They motivate us. They turn us toward God. We have learned that emotions can get mixed up, be hampered by sin so they don't function properly. And sometimes our emotions aren't what, aren't what need to be changed, but what we love does. So now we're entering part two, and we're learning about engaging emotions. Now, other teachers are going to come after me and actually talk to you about engaging emotions. Uh, but it falls to me this, this morning to talk about two pitfalls that we can fall into regarding how we address our emotions. After this, chapters 8 and 9 will lay out a framework for engaging your emotions. And chapters 10 through 12 will give practical application. So in case you were just up at night wondering where this book is going to go, now you know. So with that out of the way, let's dive into the two pitfalls that we can fall into regarding our emotions. Are you a spit it out or a suck it up kind of person when it comes to emotions? Don't answer that. Uh, I don't really care, <laughs> honestly, at this point. Um, but, but, uh, but keep that question in mind because as we go through this chapter, those are the two pitfalls that we can fall into regarding how we address our emotions. So the first one is spit it up. Uh, I'm sure you've noticed that we live in a very self-centered world. Uh, we all descend from Adam and Eve, and as such, we have this nasty habit of putting what we want above what God wants. All of us do it. Now, for those of us who have been purchased with his blood, this habit is curbed, but it is still present within our hearts. As we have often heard in this church, be killing sin or it will be killing you. But for those who don't have Christ, this tendency grows until we actually think that every thought and emotion that we have is right. And so that is the, and the result is what you see in the world around us. So because man is important and everything about man becomes important, that includes his emotions, the result is that our emotions, which are the loudest part of us, become the dominating force and what everything is judged by. The mantra, if it feels good, do it. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard that, comes to battle cry, and anything that assails this bastion of selfness becomes evil and, it, and becomes the enemy. How many of you in here have seen Disney movies that say, just follow your heart. It will tell you the right way to go. <laughs> or let's talk about Star Wars for a second and that awful Phantom Menace, uh, the first one, the real first one. 
uh, when Anakin is about to go off to training as a Jedi, and his mom says, and Anakin says to his mom, will I ever see you again? And she's like, what does your heart tell you? <laughs> and Anakin, being nine, says, I guess. <laughs> and then she says, well, this must be true then. So those are just a few examples of how following your heart is in our culture. So if, if man is the highest thing, the highest point, and everything that we feel is important, then euphemisms like being honest or getting something off my chest becomes the highest good because my emotions and what I feel are the highest standard to measure things by regardless of anything else. It doesn't matter how it affects other people. It doesn't matter any about anything other than me expressing what I feel. Now, as I was reading over this chapter, uh, I thought, well, because I've said that in talking to people, I'm just being honest with you. Or I've said I just need to get something off my chest, so is that necessarily a bad thing to say? And there's a line between seeking to reconcile with a brother that is wrong, a brother or sister that has wronged you, and then trying to prove a point. So if you've ever gone up to somebody and said, you know what, I'm being honest with you, I think you're wrong, okay? And the whole point of that discussion is simply to prove them wrong. Then you're wrong. That should not be your primary motivation. But if your motivation in saying that is to go to the brother and say, look, I'm just being honest with you. This is how I, quote unquote, feel. This is what I think. Let's talk about it, okay? If your motivation is to reconcile and get something out in the open, get clarification and submit what you think to reason and to the Bible, then the above statements are fine. Um, and in fact, Matthew 18, 15 would apply here. If, you, if, if a brother's wrongs you, you go to your brother and you, you know, tr try to, to solve the grievance. So it all comes down to the heart. If, if your heart in saying these things is, I'm trying, to prove, I'm trying to prove myself to be right and you're wrong, then you, then you need to check your motivation. And the author says so on page 87. He says, now think about this cultural assumption for a moment, the cultural assumption being the feelings of everything. Are your emotions really the most important thing about you? We're writing a whole book on emotions, so obviously we do think that they are important. Further, we're going to spend a significant time arguing for the value of talking to your emotions with God and others. But to place your feelings ahead of the quality of your character, ahead of your faithfulness, ahead of the faithfulness of your obedience to God, ahead of the depth of your relationships with God and others, even to the place your even to place your feelings ahead of the feelings of others is the opposite of what the scripture calls us to do. So we are not the center of the universe. We're all Presbyterians in here, we know that. We are not the center of the universe, okay? So um, that's not what the, the author is not saying here that if I go up to Randy and say, Randy, I want to be honest with you. I hate that jacket. Not really. I don't, I don't mind that jacket, I'm just saying. You know, that's not, you know, if my motivation in that is just to prove him wrong about that jacket, then that's the wrong motivation. But if I'm willing to open into the dialogue and say, Randy, why don't you pick that jacket? today above all the other jackets <laughs> in, your, in your closet. 
Talk to me about that. <laughs> I don't want it. It wouldn't fit me. So, but lest, but you know, lest we puff our collective chest and say, "Well, that could never happen to me." Let's remember that we still sin. That sin still resides in our hearts. And we still have that sinful tendency to put ourselves first. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18. Uh, pride goes before destruction and a hearty spirit before a fall. And 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Let he who thinks he uh, stands take heed lest he fall. Okay? So th those scriptures come to mind here. We are still descendants of Adam and Eve. And we should still be on our guard. And we need look no further within Christendom, within the church, even PCA churches, to push feelings above everything. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure we could all name at least one church, at least in this area, that pushes connection and emotional experience uh, brought about through worship and stage shows, floor shows, as Pastor David calls them. Um, the goal becomes how everything made you feel. How did you feel about the sermon? How did you feel about the experience that you had walking in the door? And the, and, and the, the good feelings of others, okay? So we don't want to scare people. We want to present a loving Jesus because people don't like to talk about the wrathful Jesus. We want to tell about how people feel about a particular thing, okay? So, and this even happens again within the PCA. So... How many people do you know that have left churches because the youth program wasn't what they wanted or didn't feel, quote-unquote, connected at a particular church? When emotions are put above reason, then people chase a mirage that never materializes. And I know of people who do this. They, they float from church to church to church to church, searching for that next emotional experience, searching for some place where they, quote-unquote, fit in. So um, we as Christians can fall in, into this trap as well of thinking that our emotions and our feelings are what matter. Okay? So we need to, to remain on guard um, for us that we don't fall into the same trap. Okay? So do you have a question, David, or a comment? Uh, okay. okay. So... Um, There is, yes. Emotions are important, yes. I mean, we, we should be kind. We should show the love of God to a lost and dying world. Yes, we should do that. And that kind of gets to my, it uh, says, before we leave the spit it up crowd, we have to um, recognize that they do get some things right. Okay? Uh, emotions are important. Okay? We shouldn't be uns unsmiling all the time. We shouldn't be like, we love you. Thank you for coming. We love you. God loves you. You're a wonderful person. You know? 
there's this meme about John MacArthur preaching about the joy of the Lord, and he's like, God is joyous. Let us rejoice in his name. So, so right, emotions are important. Uh, we shouldn't be dour all the time, and we should speak up to people, even if they find it uncomfortable. Okay? But it, that's not all there is. Okay? Um, emotions are important, but they are not to be elevated to the point where they become all-consuming, where they become the sole reason that you do anything. Well, that doesn't feel right to me. My, growing up, my mom would say that a lot. She, she that doesn't say it as much now, but she would say that that doesn't. Josh probably understands this. That doesn't sit right with my spirit, man. <laughs> okay, whatever. But uh, anyway, but you know, you know, there is this mindset of well, that doesn't feel right to me. Or how many of you have heard this? That's not the God that I serve. What if it is, and you're wrong, you know? I mean, so again, what you feel about a, about a, about a given thing is not, um, you know, the end-all, be-all. So, yes, emotions are important, but not all there is to it. The second uh, pitfall we can fall into is suck it up. Um, and that's what the book says. I'm not paraphrasing that. That's what the book says. <laughs> So put your pitchforks down, okay? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, you know, saying what the book says. You have problems taking up with the authors of this book, not me. <laughs> Preach on, brother. Love that jacket. <laughs> so the second pitfall is suck it up. Um, how many of you here watch that show, Surviving the Cut? I don't know if you know it. Patrick watched it. It's about, it's about uh, surviving the cut. It's, it's, it's a documentary show about special forces training, like, like Ranger and Air Force Diver. And I like watching those shows because I put myself in their shoes, go through an emotional journey with them, and I feel like I've gotten my Ranger tab in an hour where it took them four weeks. I'm like, hey, guys, we did this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a sniper. I'm force recon, man. I, I'm good. I know how to use all the weapons now. Rock on, <laughs> all right? But, uh, so, but so the show is about training for different special forces schools, and little through all those shows are saying it's like suffer in silence. You know, suffer silently. Hurt, pain, love it. Embrace the suck. And some, you know, stuff like that. So, but... What are some examples that, that you can give of stoic men that just, you know, just pushed emotions down and did the job? What are some examples of that? Don't go too far back, not that. How about John Wayne? What? That's right. All right, Pilgrim. Uh, Clint Eastwood. You know, um, you know, see what, you know, uh, Saving Private Ryan, where you know a small group of men are going to go up against this huge army with like pipe bombs and pistols, but we're going to win. You know, just craziness. But anyway, so you know, these are men and these are people that turn off their emotions or suppress them. 
You don't need to feel in order to do what needs to be done. Feelings get in the way of progress. And we look at that and say, well, that's crazy. But let's turn our gaze at the church now. How many of us here have said the following scriptures to ourselves and others? Someone who's going through a hard time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Or our favorite, Romans 8, 28. And we know that, all, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Okay. So people within the church, because I know I, I've said that to myself, and I'm sure you said it to others, have used this, and we put on a happy face when we're going through something hard. We force ourselves to put on that smile and walk into church, and I'm going to put on a good face because I don't want anyone to know what I'm going through. I don't want to tell anybody. And it's my job, because God, it's my job to put on that happy face because God is sovereign, right? I mean, what I'm going through is his will, right? So how can I be sad? How can I feel what I'm feeling if God is sovereign? That's wrong. I should be rejoicing. Yay, look at this. Look what I'm going through. Isn't this wonderful? Okay. How can I be sad if God is sovereign? Isn't that wrong? Okay. Now, both these scriptures are true, and I'm not, I'm not trying to do anything you know, to disprove those scriptures. But those scriptures, we must guard against the tendency to use them to suppress our emotions completely. That's not the point of those scriptures. We don't push down, power through, and suck it up. On page 90, and there's a story, a um, little snippet. Um, it says, this woman lived through one of the most horrible evils a person can ever undergo. She lost her child. Her daughter, an only child, conceived after significant difficulty died two and a half years later from cancer. While many in her church expressed sorrow and compassion, she talked about being pressured to be in church the very next Sunday with a smile on so that everyone could see how good God is when life is hard. Okay. Now, of course, she may have been exaggerating, but how many of us have done the same thing? We've been through a hard time, but yet we, we put a smile on our face, we walk into church, I mean, that's like everything is okay because God is sovereign and that's what we're supposed to do. Okay? And that's not what these scriptures are, are to be used for. Okay? They are not meant to teach us to suppress our emotions. Because we have to remember that Jesus didn't force happiness when he was on the earth. Okay? He didn't suck it up in the garden as he sweated blood. Right? He didn't ask the Roman soldiers to hit him harder to prove how much of a man he was. He didn't whistle while he carried the cross to Golgotha. And he didn't shrug his shoulders because the wrath of God was poured out on him and he experienced the separation that you and I should have experienced. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, the, the son of God in flesh cried out to his God, why have you forsaken me? That our God, Jesus, who went to the cross, he sweated blood as he knew what he was going through. He didn't suppress those emotions. Okay? 
he wept at the tomb of Lazarus. So um, the scriptures listed above, they are true. And we do rejoice that God is in control and working everything out. Okay? And, th- and that does, and it should comfort us. But that does not negate the fact that our emotions are real. And it's okay for us to feel them as long as they do not become the all-consuming thing in your life. Are, you, are we putting our emotions above everything and saying what I feel at this moment is the most important thing? Okay. So does anyone have, have anything they want to add or say? I don't want to take some water. My mouth is dry. Right. At some point. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Which, which is, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Bam, that guy. Your handsome husband's over there going to answer that one. Yes. Right. 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 Exactly. I mean, you know, you know, our emotions have to be controlled, but it's okay to have them. You know, I mean, what's that in uh, uh, one of my favorite scriptures is that the end of Habakkuk when he says, I can't remember that exactly, but Though the leaf not, oh, what is that? Um, I can't quote it, but yeah. No, I can. <laughs> Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean that's one of my favorite scriptures because it's like, you know, I you know, but I think at this point Habakkuk had seen he was seeing the destruction of Jerusalem, and he was watching God's gift to the Israelite people be torn down. He's saying, you know, I'm feeling all this stuff, but yet I still trust. You know, Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So you know, it's it's okay to have the emotions. But we have to engage. Then that'll be next week. Hey John, I think it's important when we think about Matthew 18 to pay close attention to actually what it says. Okay. It says, if your brother sins against you. Right. Not if I have not seen anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But in putting yourself first, I think, you know, if, if what you feel is the most important thing, 
then even a, a, a perceived slight can be huge, and you can amplify it to like this nth degree, and it becomes like, oh no, well, I'm going to go to him, and I'm going to prove to him, uh, I'm going to prove this to him, you know. So if you're if you're all hopped up on emotion, you know, then all then all your all, even a perceived little slight can become huge. I mean, how many times have someone has someone said something to us that may have been completely innocent, but you stew about it all week? Like, what did they really mean? And you ask your wife, what did they really mean? And of course, she's the one who said it, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, honey, what did you really mean by that? Nothing, honey, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, I love you. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, you know, that is true, you know, but again, I think that because if you're in sin, I mean, if you're hopped up on emotion, then you can amplify that and your motivation can then become, well, I'm going to prove you wrong about that. So, you know, that's, that's why I'm coming to you. You know, you're going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, one way or the other, you're going to see it my way, you know. Right. 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 Well, I mean. Each, each school has elements of truth in it, and that's what makes them so tempting. I mean, you know, the devil, when he came to Eve, he didn't tell her a flat-out lie. You know, did God, you know, I mean, you know, he said, did God really say? And there was a little bit of, you know, there was a little bit of truth in that. You know, so, you know, I think, I don't know if anyone said this. I may have just made this up, but, um, you know, the best lies have little truth in them, you know. So... I mean, you're absolutely right. Both schools have merit. There are things that, that, that we, there are truths that we can draw. But when they're taken to their extreme, that's when they become wrong. So, yeah. Right. Or on the other front, you're so worried about what others think of you. Right. Or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, because that thing that you're, whatever you're holding on to in that particular case becomes more important than God. You know, I can't let this go. You know, that, you know, that becomes the focus of your life, you know, whatever it is. Do you have something else you want to say, Alan? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, he he tells us to bring, you know, to bring your, you know, you know, you know, um, you know, throw your cares upon me. You know, I mean, that you know, you know, that's what he tells us. So yeah, I mean, absolutely, you know. We should talk to God, especially to God, about our problems. Yeah, please. Well, I think for me it's also when you said you're talking to God and then he speaks to you and you understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I've left my dad off with this. It's about your emotions come from where your words are from. Right. So I feel like in a lot of them are valid, but when you listen to your pain mm-hmm. of, like, of like the suffering can just like just sit in and get you in a lower place. So when you right. talk to Right. It's a very slow process, but it's normal that we, because we are redeemable in this way. Right. So we, but ideally, our hearts do love us. Right. But sometimes it doesn't always manifest. Right. In like our emotions, because we're so thankful. Right. Like we're happy, like reading it in a hard time. Oh yeah. Through the scriptures, through the stuff that's happening, it takes that and kind of just, I mean, and that's the engagement and commitment that we'll talk a lot about. But um, like it takes it and changes it and just kind of makes it more. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in conclusion, wrapping up, um, we are not to allow emotions to rule us above the considerations of others. Remember the book of Ecclesiastes. For everything, there is a, for everything, there is a time. A time, time to mourn, a time to laugh, and so on and so forth. But we must remember that emotions allow us to connect. And they are a gift of God, and we shouldn't throw away the good gifts of God by suppressing them. So our Savior had emotions, and it's okay if we have them as well. We must make room in our theology for emotions. So back to the question I asked at the beginning. Are you a spit it out or a suck it up kind of person or somewhere in between? 
where you're wrong. These are extremes that, most, that must be avoided, although both schools have merit. There is the third way, which Pastor David will explain to us next week. So um, it does, uh, does uh, Eden Welts um, uh, have any final thoughts before we close? Yeah. I know. I think I think that's I think that's a good um, to to read that and not understand that that when you're about to die, there are emotions. Oh right. And but here's an example of someone probably from Calvary and the whole system that's made him wise for this yeah. situation. And uh, his yeah. example right. was Right. You know, too, I mean, just to kind of, I guess, because, you know, like for me, I know I know, I always wonder, maybe you do too, maybe you don't, I don't know. Um, but like, if I was ever put under persecution, like the, the torture that some Christians undergo, would I ever recant? You know, and I'm sure we would all think that, you know, well, I would never recant. I'd never do that. I, I would stay true to the end, but we don't know. But I think one of the most beautiful pictures in all of scripture is when Jesus looks Peter in the eyes and says, you will deny me three times, but when you come back, comfort your brothers. You know, so, you know, even if we do in a fit of, re- in a fit of fear, let our emotions rule over us and we say, you know what, I, I'm a sinner and I'm broke. There's forgiveness there. You know, you can come back. You can say, God, you know, you know, I was wrong, and God will, you know, accept you back and um, uh, back into the fold. So, that, you know, even if you do mess up and let your emotions get the best of you, there's still forgiveness there. And I think that's very important to, 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 to remember, too. And I'm going to let uh, Thomas close us in prayer.